Hello, Monetization Nation. Welcome back to another episode with Stephen Denny. In the last episode, we discussed four chapters from his book, Killing Giants, to help us beat our giant competitors. In today's episode, we'll discuss his new book, Unfiltered Marketing, Five Rules to Win Back Trust, Credibility, and Customers in a Digitally Distracted World. Unfiltered Marketing explores the impact of technology on culture and what business leaders need to do to win in this noisy environment. Today, we're going to look at three key principles Stephen shares in his book to help us win back trust, credibility, and customers. Talk to me for a minute about credibility marketing. I know you address trust and credibility in your new oh, book, yeah. so you can, let, well, let's talk about it from the perspective of your, of your new book. What mm -hmm. stories and advice do you have to share with us about credibility marketing? Well, here we are in the 21st century now in this info immersive, technologically blinding uh, culture that we live in. And the first casualty is trust. And there's a reason for that. And it's a great reason too, because I can look at my, at my phone here. I can pick up my phone, stick it in my pocket and record Robin Lee. Uh, at Baidu, answering a question he didn't want to answer at Stanford University. And I can punch that out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, wherever I wish. And it can reach a, 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 an audience of millions upon millions of people as fast as they choose to retweet it. It's hard to be a hero when everyone has a camera in their pocket. Yeah. We tend to catch people lying all the time. And as a result, trust is an is an absolute all-time low. And, and you don't have to listen to me. You can go to um, Edelman's excellent trust barometer report. They run it every year. It's a fascinating piece of research and, uh, and they do a wonderful job of capturing how the public views trust in major institutions like business, government, non-governmental organizations and the like. But we can look around us anecdotally and see trust in organized sports, trust in the U.S. Olympic Committee, trust in all of these things. It's, it, it's hard to, um, to hide when we have this many ways of capturing information in off-guarded moments. So trust has collapsed. And as a result, those companies that are beginning to win in this environment are those that acknowledge this. Uh, unfiltered marketing seized on three big ideas out of the, the culture and technology intersection study that, that we ran for five years. And <clears throat> this is important because in an age of collapsing trust, um, we are now first big mega trend that we mined out of the research. We are seeking control in an out of control world. This doesn't just mean that we've lost trust and we're sad about it, it means that we're actively taking steps to wrest back some sense of control over our lives. Um, we ask people, you know, do you cover the webcam on your laptop? And, you know, a couple of years ago, that was kind of a weird question. It's like, oh, there's some people that'll put a piece of tape over it or something like that. Today, 42% of Americans cover up their webcam on their laptop. Wow. 42%, that. that's half. 
And, and, you know, this is leading into COVID. Now, granted, when, when, when we're all doing video conferencing all day long, we tend to leave it open. But when we're not, we're covering it up because we don't trust. First big megatrend, seeking control in an out-of-control world. Interesting. Very foundational, very important. Now, because of this, we see the rise of the second big megatrend. So how do we regain that control? And how do we help our customers mm-hmm. regain control? The best way to, to, to address this point of how do we take advantage of seeking control in an out-of-control world, how do, we, how do we counter that megatrend, is first to simply acknowledge that this trend exists. If our customers, if the people we're seeking to, to, to market to, to sell to, are feeling this lack of trust, are seeking ways to wrest some control back of their lives, the best possible things we can do is to A, very effectively push control back into their hands. Give them choices, let them make decisions. Give them the ability to affect their own outcomes. Give them closure. I'll give you an example. There's a personal example, but it, it fits really well. Once upon a time, your internet service goes down. What do you do? You pick up the phone, right? You go on hold. Finally get through to a customer service representative. Ah, man, my, I don't know what's happening. My internet's down. All right, we're going to try to do something from our side. And you go through that long process. I don't know if, if you remember ever doing yes, this. I do. I do. No longer. Today, and I think it's probably like this for most people, you pick up your smartphone and you say, hey, send a signal through my line. My router's not working. Yeah. And it says, this will take 60 seconds. And off it goes. And you now have complete control of the experience. So I'm sending this through the line. And now my router is working again. And you have a package. Ser- oh, and with the best service providers, they're even notifying me and saying, we are noticing an outage in your internet connection. And oh, here's yeah. what it's related to. And here's what we're doing yeah. to solve it. And All anyways. true. All true. But look at Amazon today. Um, Amazon's a, you know, it's, it's an interesting company for sure. Um, but you order a package, now you can track that thing by how many stops away it is, how many streets over it is. You can look at a map of your neighborhood and see where the truck is. It's closure. It takes the stress out of not knowing when your problem's going to be solved. And if we can push control back into the hands of our customers, they're happy. They get a sense of control. They get a sense of closure. This is no longer a mystery. It's no longer magic. It's no longer, you know, frightening to them in so many words. What? A, giving them what two, two really good examples. You can, <clears throat> Okay. The next big trend you talk about in your book, you call raw. What <clears throat> is that all about? Raw. Because we're living in this age of collapsing trust, because we're seeking control in an out of control world, the only thing we now trust is ourselves, our own impressions, our own perceptions, what we can see with our own eyes and hear with our own ears, and then filter that through our own personal judgment. We do not want um, traditional gatekeepers telling us what to believe because we've caught them lying to us too many times. This, This last two years, maybe, has seen the absolute death of experts. And I'm not saying that like it's a good thing. I'm saying it's a thing. It's something we have to acknowledge. We've caught our experts 
either being wrong or being deliberately deceptive too many times. Yeah. And as a result, we want to see the proof ourselves. We want to see the raw feed. We want to see the live stream. We don't want to be told it's mostly peaceful demonstrators when I see a live stream on my smartphone of a store being looted. This is not burned down. <laughs> matching up. Yeah. I see it with my own eyes, and this is what I choose to believe. So my trust in the traditional gatekeepers now collapses because I can see it. And my trust in what I'm seeing raw coming in. I want to see the email dump. I want to see the test results. I want to see the actual emails coming from that executive who's saying something in private that does not match up with what they're seeing in, in public. Yeah. This rise of raw, this desire to see the proof ourselves in an age where it's awfully easy to do so because we have smartphones, we have social media networks, we have direct access to so many incoming feeds of information that this is what we now trust. So raw has become, raw is the one where <clears throat> a lot of C-level executives are going to look at this and they're going to lean across the table and they're going to say, wait a minute. This really does make us rethink everything. And we've had this conversation with, with, with chief marketing officers of, of very large companies before. And, and it does force us to see things in a slightly different way. We no longer have to be the hero in our own story. It's our job now to be, I've used this example before, it may not resonate with everybody, but we're no longer the protagonist. We're the Greek chorus. Yeah. We're standing shoulder to shoulder beside our, our market, our customer, our audience. And we're saying together, we're looking out and we're seeing this scene. We're looking at this data. Let me teach you how to interpret what we're both looking at. All of it, that's a huge shift in perspective. Yep. I'm no longer looking in the camera. I'm standing with you. Together, we're looking out and seeing something and I'm saying, hey, listen, let's, let's talk about what you're looking at here. Maybe I can add some context to what's going on here. So that's a huge shift and, and a critically important one. That's one of the biggest insights that we got out of five years of data is the rise and the, and the sort of nuance, the change of how raw has sort of swept over, you know, become a mainstream idea where, where it's traditionally been, you know, it's me telling you what to believe and you believing me or not. Yeah. Super powerful. Okay. The last big trend that you talk about is heroic credibility. Tell us, tell us more about heroic credibility. Yep. Heroic credibility is <clears throat> our way of describing what's on everyone's mind right now. Because we're living in an age of collapsing trust, we're seeking control in an out-of-control world. Because we have this hunger for raw, we're still willing to believe. We're still willing to follow a brand a candidate. But... They have to really be attracting us at a values level. There has to be something bigger than the sum of its parts. So brand values alignment, that emotional connection is critically important. Now, 
before we all nod and congratulate ourselves that, yeah, of course, this is important. There's this huge hanging asterisk next to this point. You have to be credible on the subject. You have to be unarguably, unequivocally credible as to what you're attaching your brand to, or you will be shredded. You will be torn to shreds by the same social media wolf pack that you were hoping you know, to marshal to your cause. Um, brand values alignment has, has become a double-edged sword, particularly right now. Every brand thinks they need to make a statement about whatever cause there is today whether it's are we for or against a political candidate, are we for or against a, a piece of legislation, a social movement? Um, and to be perfectly blunt, not every brand needs to make a statement. As a matter of fact, very few brands need to make a statement. I'm looking at the data. This is not just my personal, yeah. my personal reflection on this point. There's a certain lemming-like quality right now to C-suites across the United States in that they have to make statements about social and political issues where they have zero credibility to do so. And they're going to get a passive eye roll from the market at best, and they're going to lose business at worst. So I'll give you a couple of examples. We can look at Patagonia. There's a, they're, they're just a wonderful company to yes. be able to point to. And ostensibly, they were supposedly... Uh, saying that about politicians who are not on board with the climate change agenda. But it became a bit of a rallying cry within the company and Yvonne Chouinard, the founder and, and uh, former CEO, but um, founder and, and I believe chairman, uh, was very much in favor of this and, and, and felt it sort of captured a little bit of the gestalt of the, of the Patagonia brand. When they say in an advertisement, the president stole your land talking about Bears Ears National National Forest in uh, in Utah, right? Yeah, right um, between the two of us. Right between the two of us, right. When they say that, they're incredibly credible on this subject because Yvonne Chouinard has been saying this since, what, the 70s, right? He's been extremely consistent in his message that this is a brand that exists to save the earth. Okay, that's good. When Dick's Sporting Goods says we're going to remove uh, uh, firearms and, and, and rifles and ammunition from our stores because we feel that they're, they're, they're a bad thing and every hunter in America decides they're going to take their money elsewhere, um, they lose $250 million at, uh, at the cash register. They did not have any credibility on this subject. The public was never looking to Dick's Sporting Goods to speak on their behalf or to tell them what to think. Again, I don't know where your listeners fall on this issue, whether they're for it, against it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Dick Sporting Goods didn't have the credibility to make that statement. There's a wonderful example that just popped up in the, in the news feed the other day, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forget the name of the actual company. But uh, the North Face um, uh, made a statement not long ago where they did not want their clothing to be used as uh, a sort of a premium wearable with, the comp with company logos on it, if the company happened to be in the oil and gas industry, fossil fuel industry. And the CEO of a major oil and gas extraction company created a video 
that is now firing off across all the socials where he's thanking the North Face because he said after a, a careful review of the North Face's website, 90% of their clothing is made from his products. Well, all of a sudden now we have a credibility problem. It's difficult for the North Face to get involved in being against fossil fuels when all of their products are made from polyester. So yeah. this is the kind of thing that makes you look foolish in front of the public. And we're all in front of the public now all the time. Yeah. So heroic credibility is critically important for us to wrestle with right now because we have to be ruthlessly uh, clear on how we're attaching our brands to ideas bigger than ourselves. And customers like that and customers want that. They want brands that stand for something more than just the narrow confines of their category. We respond to this, but it has to be carefully defined. This cannot be a passion project, an ego project from the C-suite, from the CEO or the chairman or the chief marketing officer who personally may have a strong feeling about a cause but if it has nothing to do with the brand, you run enormous risks of hemorrhaging goodwill and brand equity. And to be perfectly blunt, the biggest group of Americans today politically are independents and moderates who have tuned out to the edges. Yeah. And the edges we see becoming more strident, more radicalized in their thinking. They've got very strong opinions about... Do they support a brand that aligns with their own personal values? Do they boycott brands that don't on both edges? And in the middle, they're tuning out and the numbers are dropping. And what's fascinating is that's the largest group of political self-identifiers in America today. And they're growing. A lot of people are tuning out to all of this shouty messaging coming from marketing in the C-suites critically important for brands and communication executives to get their hands around this quickly because very often and more often than not my guess is that this is an exercise in ego and it requires a little bit of discipline and a little bit of professionalism to throw around it they need the right insights before they step out on that ledge because it's a long drop Stephen, thank you so much for sharing your insights for sharing your wisdom and your time with us today. If our audience enjoyed this interview like I did, um, what are the best ways that they can learn more about you and, and connect with you and, and your services? Well, thank you. First of all, thank you so much for the invitation to come, Nathan. I appreciate it. I'm easy to find, <clears throat> whether it's on uh, uh, coming to my website at stephendenny.com or finding me on LinkedIn. Um, you can find me on Twitter at note to CMO. Again, I'm, I'm there. And I'm easy to find. I, I typically work with companies that are sort of in the we're number two when we hate it trap very much in the killing giants vein. Um, if unfiltered marketing strikes your, your interest and you'd like to read more about this intersection of technology and culture and what smart brands should do about it, you can find it anywhere you buy your books. Can I give you a suggestion though? Go to Porchlight Books and buy it there. Buy it from a terrific small business that just does a spectacular job. Do you know Porchlight Books? They used to be 1-800-CEO-READ. No, I'm not familiar with them. 800-CEO-READ specialized in bulk business books forever. And if you needed 50 copies of a book, they're the ones you'd go to. Well, they expanded beyond business books. 
and they renamed themselves as a result. And Porchlight is now an absolute favorite partner of mine, and they're wonderful people. So in the spirit of helping giant killers everywhere, uh, go buy it there and go buy a copy for the members of your team. Thank you so much, Stephen, for sharing your stories and insights with us today. Here's some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, we're in the 21st century in this info-immersive and technologically advanced culture where the first casualty is trust. Number two, we can gain customers' trust by giving them control in an out-of-control world. We can do this by giving them choices and options. Number three, customers want real and raw content. Number four, companies no longer need to be the perfect hero in their own story. We aren't the protagonist. Instead, we're standing beside our customers and our audience. Number five, brand value alignment is critically important, but we need to be credible with what we're attaching to our brand or we'll lose trust and credibility. To learn more about or connect with Stephen, you can find him on LinkedIn, visit his website at stephendenny.com, or find his books, Unfiltered Marketing and Killing Giants on porchlightbooks.com. And there's links to each of those sites in the blog post for this episode at monetizationnation.com. You can get my free ebook about passion marketing and learn how to become a top priority of your ideal customers at passionmarketing.com. You can also subscribe to Monetization Nation on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, our Facebook group, and on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for joining me for this episode. I wish you success in winning your customers' trust. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.